2: Particular valued resources
0: may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew your
2: So you're you're an engineer mm-hmm. by um by training, mm-hmm. and you uh you worked for the railroad company, right? Right. Can you explain that, like what you actually did? Because that was you did that for 12 years, right? Yeah.
1: So I started while I was in college, like like working for them part time. Um, but what I did was so design rail terminals. Um, the I mean it's pretty it was pretty simple uh as far as engineering because you're not building buildings or anything but it, it was just a lot of work that was needed to like when after a derailment you know realigning the track and making sure that the trains can run because they run, they run at a high velocity on these two little bitty rails and you got hundreds of thousands of tons moving at 60 70 miles an hour so you had to make sure that everything was designed the curvature was right and all that kind of stuff and where were you doing this at um so i, wor- I started off working for cn railroad so i was covering between uh, chicago in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
0: Wow, because yeah. we we seen in, in you know the past few months these railroad systems, the subway systems, especially in New York, where mm-hmm. we're from, that are completely outdated. They're running on systems that are from like 1910. Right, and yeah. we're like, how is this even possible?
1: Yeah, technology has not changed, and they, they just they do the minimum maintenance to keep it up. So um I was on like the the freight side, so it wasn't any passenger rail. Okay, so a lot of it's behind the scenes. You know, that they didn't get a lot of exposure unless there's a big derailment somewhere.
0: Yeah, so you, know? you so. It's, merchandise and to, uh, product is moving through yellow. Right, exactly.
1: Okay. And like 80% of anything that moves somewhere in the United States, if it comes in on a cargo ship from China or somewhere, it
2: moves by rail
1: at some point in time. It only moves by truck when it gets closer to its destination.
2: Yeah, I don't think people realize how big of a business um, trains are. Because mm-hmm. the vast majority of the country probably don't, they don't ride trains. Like we're kind of jaded because yeah. we're from New York. So mm-hmm. we're used to riding trains. Subways mm-hmm. and trains it's, it's pretty normal. Yeah. But um most of America, they don't really ride trains like that anymore. So people might not fully understand that trains is is a big business. And even if you don't ride it, like you said, a lot of cargo rides on trains. Yeah, and
1: what people don't realize is that the railroad is basically what helped build the the West, like when everybody went from the East Coast to the West Coast, everything was moving by rail. It was small trains. then. The great then. expansion, right? Yeah, the Great Expansion. Yeah, everything was done by rail. And people always wonder why the railroads in the hood. That wasn't always the hood. That's what the first area that was settled in every small town, because you had to bring everything in by rail to set up, you know, the infrastructure to build a city hall, to build small buildings. Everything came
0: in by rail. So one of your um job title no, not titles but responsibilities is design mm-hmm. are you designing the actual tracks like what does what does that mean yeah designing
1: the actual tracks you are yeah oh wow well i mean that's what i did now i did that for the first four years i worked for the railroad but like i said i wanted to get out of engineering so um and once i started getting into reading the real estate and entrepreneurship stuff i realized i needed to learn more about business so i kind of took that opportunity while i had the corporate uh blanket over me to try to get into other departments so I went into operations, so I ran freight terminals for like four years, and that was crazy experience because I'm like 24, 25 managing guys that's yeah. 40, 50, making yeah. twice as much money as me. Yeah. None of them union guys make over 100 grand a year. I was making like 50, 60. So I learned a lot about managing people in that, in that role. And then I got out of that and I got into the marketing and sales side, and I was lucky enough to get into industrial products, which is chemicals and oil and gas stuff. So I'm sitting in rooms with all these decision makers at Exxon, Chevron pill 66 these type companies and um yeah man it just opened my eyes to a whole different world they speak a different language you learn a lot more about the economy and infrastructure and everything like when, what's one of the things you, you learned when you was working on that side of the fence man i just i just learned um how money really works and how people really make decisions because energy runs the country mm. you know what i mean like with, without without coal without oil without gasoline everything shuts down and so they know that they basically have a monopoly on everything you know, and the profit margins are crazy in that in that world. What's the profit margins?
2: three hundred percent on a lot of stuff. Wow, on like gas and oil and stuff. Yeah. So let me ask you this then: um, a lot of people are saying that we should move away from that, mm-hmm. going to solar energy, wind mm-hmm. energy, electric energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're an engineer and you worked in this, the space. Mm-hmm. A is that realistic? And what's your thoughts on that? Like as long term. Can we continue the way we're going now, or do we have to make a change? I mean, eventually, there there will have to be a change because there's a limited
1: amount of fossil fuels out there. So we're going to have to find other energy sources that we can use that are renewable. So it's definitely feasible. It's definitely plausible. And, like, wind, uh, sunlight, uh, water, that stuff's not, not going to go away. So we're always going to have that. But you just have these big institutions that are making so much money off of the fossil fuel-based energy sector that they're not going to just give up their position. Yeah, and they do a lot mm. of lobbying in Washington. That's what I was about to say. That's something that we don't really understand, but that lobbying is powerful. That's why all the legislation really happens. And I don't care who you vote for, it's somebody with money in the mm. ma- behind the scenes in Washington taking them out to dinner, wine and dining them, and that's when the real decisions are made.
0: They got to make sure they keep their money going. Yeah. I
1: remember yeah.
2: when um, Hillary Clinton was running for president versus Trump, I think. Yeah, so they were saying, um, I think, Chase... Mm-hmm. Chase put like 10 million into Hillary's campaign, mm-hmm. but they put nine million in Trump's campaign. Mm-hmm. So no matter who won, they won. Right? It doesn't matter. Like, right. you know what I mean? That's yeah. what people don't fully understand either. Mm-hmm. It's like you're playing a political game based off of emotion, mm-hmm. but these people are playing a political game based off of strategy. Mm-hmm. It's two different things.
0: Yeah, they're playing chess. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna give money yeah. to Republicans, Democrats, yeah. and
2: Independents because at the end of the day, they need what they need done, mm-hmm. and right.
0: money talks. And whoever's, whoever's the decision maker, either red or blue, is mm-hmm. gonna help them.
2: Right, yeah. So you started a business, um, the e Commerce. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? So basically, none, something else I like to
1: teach entrepreneurs, especially the ones that's coming out of the corporate world, everybody feels like I gotta create something new, like I gotta get into an industry that I see everybody else doing, right? Um, but what I realize is like, man, if this company is paying me 100 grand a year to do this job, there has to be a smaller business out there somewhere that needs these same services, need the same skill set and I can just go out and provide the service for them and instead of being their employee, I become their consultant. Mm. So that's what e-rail commerce is. I took all that experience I had, all those connections I had with the railroad, all these oil and gas companies, and I found all these smaller companies that need or want to get a contract with an Exxon because mm. Exxon has over 10,000 rail cars. Every one of those cars has to be maintained, has to be repainted, has to be cleaned, has to be maintenance done to them. They have to store them when they're not using them. They gotta park them somewhere. So what I do is I help all those companies that provide those services get in the door with Exxon, get the contract, mm-hmm. and then they perform all the work and I just get commissions off of the deals. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, you get like the relationship, man. You, you I pre- am. Mm-hmm. I'm basically brokering, mm-hmm. basically brokering and I have everything set up with, with my clients to where whatever contract I help them get, I get paid.
0: But So Rail is not the only um, form of consultation that you, you're providing, right? Don't you have a few other consultation things that you do?
1: Well, I mean, in general, I just try to help entrepreneurs get started, you know, because okay. I mean, Cause, I, mean I, I was so lost when I was trying to get out out of the work world. And I was like, man, nobody was really here to guide me and teach me. So I use my, my social media platform and, you know, I use my that network and that audience um, as as my way to give back, you know. So anybody that has help, wants help with it, getting started in entrepreneurship, I try to teach them the basics, the kind of stuff is, we're talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get them as far as I can. And then I try to network with someone that's actually in their field
2: and try to get them to get under that person. You know, oh, so further. you're
0: providing the mentorship yeah. by the con- by consultant. Right. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Consulting is something that we also haven't spoken about yet in this podcast, but mm-hmm. it's extremely important and it's a very profitable business as well. It is. Yeah. Consultants, you have consultants in school industry, you have mm-hmm. consultants in political industry, you have consultants in all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Can you explain the importance, a lot of times, especially for small business owners, this is mm-hmm. the problem with small business owners as compared to business, big business. Mm-hmm they have small way of thinking. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the power of consulting. They don't mm-hmm. understand the power of marketing. They don't mm-hmm. understand. They just wanna just do the work. Mm-hmm. You're, it's like running on a treadmill. You can only get so far, right. right? When you get enough wind behind you, now you can start to fly. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the power of consulting, mm-hmm. like what, what what can somebody get value out of as a, as a hiring a, a, the, the right consultant? So there's only two ways you're gonna learn. You're either gonna bump your head and you're gonna lose time and money
1: are you going to pay for the knowledge, period. There's no other way you're going to learn, right? So you hire a consultant. The consultant is someone that's an expert in that field, that's already got experience doing what you're trying to do, um, or they can help you with a particular area of the business that, that you can't fulfill. Like if, if you have a great product, but you don't know how to get it in front of enough people, you, you need a marketing consultant to come in and help you get it in front of the right people um and so it it, it's basically a way for you to you can add a whole department to your business without actually having to hire an employee it's a consultant you know that consultant can either be somebody that's paid by the hour or it could be somebody that i always recommend you get performance-based consultants which means they work off a commission so Mm -hmm. if they don't produce for you they don't make any money Mm -hmm. right so that that gives them a vested a vested reason to get in there and work hard and get something done and on, on the flip side of that that like you said that's a very lucrative business too because it's a business where it doesn't require you have to invest a lot you can work from home and be a consultant and people are actually paying you just for the knowledge that you already have you know so you can take that corporate experience you could man you could have been flipping burgers at McDonald's for 5 years but guess what skill set you got you know what it takes to onboard a new employee, so you can go to other small restaurants and say, Here here's the McDonalds model, I'm gonna teach you how to run a McDonalds model for your restaurant.
0: And that's something that anybody can do. Like as right. you're saying it, I'm thinking of like especially in the education field and mm-hmm. especially in the restaurant field as well. Mm-hmm. It's like people always try to figure out how can they make passive income, mm-hmm. right? And they don't realize that they have a skill set already. Mm-hmm. They're just overlooking it, right? right? They're not maximizing their potential.
2: Well, this is one of the things, mm-hmm. when you talk about multiple streams of income. to mm-hmm. That is The average millionaire has seven yeah. streams of income. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he has seven jobs or even right. seven businesses. It's that they're maximizing their skills maybe one or two businesses. Mm-hmm. So, as you said, you can be a teacher, mm-hmm. right? but you're an expert in that field, mm-hmm. if you're a really good teacher, now you can be a consultant yep. to school districts, write mm-hmm. yep. curriculum, things mm-hmm. of that nature, right? And mm-hmm. that's something that anybody can do, as Troy said, even if you, you, you're still an employee, Mm-hmm. You can be an entrepreneur
0: and create your own consulting yeah. business. And yeah. it, the, the amount of time, it doesn't require as much, right? You right. can say, no. these are my hours. You dictate the hours yeah. and you dictate the fees. Yeah, right? and a lot of times
1: you're
2: helping different customers and clients with the same problem. Exactly. So you already know it, like in and out, you know. For your, so you, for your consulting business, how did you market yourself to to your customers or clients? How do you? How do you Man, you? the most powerful tool I use is LinkedIn. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about LinkedIn is
1: because when you, when you put yourself on there as a business owner, you give yourself whatever title you want, you know? So I I, I gave my, t- it's just, my, it's me and one partner, mm-hmm. but my title is executive VP. Mm-hmm. So that puts you in a whole different arena when yeah, you get yeah. on Yeah, they there. look at you like, oh. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's all perception, yeah, that's a it's fact. all perception. That's a fact. So then when I go to, when, when I see a company that I'm trying to get a, a connection with, and I go to the CEO and request to connect with them. They were like, "Oh, it's another executive that wants to
0: connect with yeah, you." Yeah, we got an exec that wants to meet you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's all it is. It's positioning, and it's it's all about you know what you post. I post, I repost a lot of Wall Street Journal type articles that are related to the industry. Um, any type of insight that I get from um, anybody else that's in the industry, I'll, I'll I'll make a post about that. So then you kind of position yourself as a subject matter expert. So then a lot, what happens is, eventually enough people are watching your posts. To where when they have a problem they come to you, instead of you having to go out and ask for business. Mm. And the, another great thing I like about LinkedIn is because you can type in any job title you want. So I'm in in supply chain, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I type in director of supply chain. LinkedIn is gonna give me a list of people with that title. So now all I do is go connect, 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 connect. You know, and then that builds your audience because people go to check you out to see who who is this that's asking to link with me. And then like my, my network on LinkedIn is like seventeen thousand. It's all. Uh, industrial product supply chain people from all these big companies. Yeah, you got you got lots a lot. Yeah, of that. That's a lot. Well, man. to LinkedIn
2: yeah. you got to accept every single person, right?
1: Yeah, but well, th- yeah, the person has the person has to uh, approve the connection. But if your page is set up to where it looks like, oh, this is somebody that I might want in my network, then you're good, and that, that's the whole purpose of you know making sure that you you set yourself up right mm-hmm. on there with the right titles, mm-hmm. right?
2: You send in you send uh was it in mail right? Mm-hmm. They send you in mail, so you tr- both. You tr- I guess I'm both. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. I met with a guy, uh, matter of fact, he flew in from
1: Arkansas last week because he's working with a private development group that does industrial development, and they're looking for new locations to build new rail terminals. And that was part of my job when I worked in the railroad, so that's part of my consulting too. So he literally reached out to me because he had been seeing me make these posts on uh, LinkedIn about railroad development and railroad terminals.
0: So this guy literally flew in for the day just for that meeting. Wow. So you are using... Your resources efficiently, and like yeah. a lot of times, people don't realize that. Like mm-hmm. they're just on LinkedIn or they're just on Facebook, mm-hmm. just to put pictures up, not networking, and not realizing that right. like yeah. how powerful a tool mm-hmm. they have at their fingertips. Right.
2: Well, well, LinkedIn is is only for networking, mm-hmm. but I got to get a better. I actually got to do a better job on LinkedIn because I don't know. I just don't feel too comfortable with it. I mm-hmm. feel like it's um kind of boring. I think well, I have a page it, too.
1: <laughs> it, it, it it is boring, but it's, yeah. it's it's like Facebook but it's for business only, you know yeah. what I mean? It's powerful. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you you can it, you would be surprised the people that don't have a lot of LinkedIn followers that are like powerful people. Like, I mean, like producers, executive producers at these big stations, they may have 500 1000 connections and you go request it and it's approved the next day, you know? But mm. it's, it's like it's like it's like a back door to get the connection that usually you have to Call a corporate headquarters and talk to an administrative person and ask the scheduled time to meet this person. You just go to LinkedIn and find them. So when
0: you need, to, it's like getting you past all those steps. Exactly, right? like the all need the need to, gatekeepers. Yeah, the you gatekeepers. You bypass all the gatekeepers if the person's on LinkedIn.
2: If they're on there, but yeah. every everybody's yeah. on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is the one is the most powerful search thing too because like mm-hmm. so when you search somebody's name on Google the first thing that comes up is LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like the first thing. It's like mm-hmm. a uh, it's like your online resume pretty mm-hmm. much. It is. And um so I don't know how they how they work that with the algorithm but mm-hmm. they, they always are on the top of your thing. So yeah. you kind of have to have a LinkedIn page mm-hmm. if you're doing anything in business. It's mm-hmm. like almost mandatory. Yeah, I agree. I got to update
0: mine. So, yeah, man.
2: <laughs> all right. <laughs> so that was good information.